You're listening to the Boogeyman's Closet Podcast. Explicit language and spoilers ahead. You've been warned. We are back for yet another episode of the Boogeyman's Closet. As always, I am Mike Alvarez. Maurice Kilfer. Susie Hunt. And we are here for a very special reason today. It's one of our patrons' birthday episodes. It is the Immortal Strasberg. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, good sir. Always a pleasure to have you. Yeah, always a, always a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me back and letting me come on and, uh, and pick a movie to make you guys watch. Well, yeah, I mean, this is this is uh, Josh is is one of our patrons. He's picked the birthday tier uh, where he can actually, you know, tell us a movie to watch for his birthday. And it's it was pretty exciting because this was a movie I had not seen before and was one that I was going to put on our list. Because as, as uh, the listeners will already know by this point, our month of movies for February is going to be uh, black directed horror movies. So uh, for Black History Month, we decided why not? There's plenty of amazing horror movies by black directors. So why not highlight that? Well, Josh decided uh, to to join in with the theme, which I thought was pretty freaking rad because um, it could have been anything like you literally could have picked Ghostbusters, <laughs> too, if you wanted to, um, well, <laughs> which we discussed. <laughs> yeah. Funny you should mention that. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so why don't you tell us what you chose and why? Yeah, definitely. I chose His House, uh, which came out in 2020, directed by Remy Weeks. Uh, And I'll say right off the bat, I chose this movie without ever having seen it, without knowing anything about it other than the trailer that I watched one time on Netflix. (laughs) Uh, But uh, I picked it for a couple of different reasons. right, Right off the bat, the trailer was really striking. Like I immediately got like chill, like goosebump vibes from it, which I love. I'm a big fan of like atmospheric, slow burn, haunted house, poltergeist type movies. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. a big fan of like the ghost tale in general. Uh, And that's kind of the vibe I got from the trailer, even though I didn't know how any of that would uh, translate to the actual movie. You know, the trailer could have just been, you know, a random uh, assortment of scenes that don't really tell you what the movie's really about, right? Sometimes trailers lie to you that way. Uh, but luckily, in this case, I think it was a, a really, really accurate trailer that uh, that really did kind of sum up at least the atmosphere of the movie. But yeah, I, originally, when I was trying to think about what movie I wanted to pick, you know, I went to this list that I keep on my phone of movies that we watch for our other podcasts raised by rentals or stuff that you guys have got coming down the pipeline that I want to try to watch so I can follow along. And then movies I think I might want to pick if I get a chance. And I was hemming and hawing over which ones. And yeah, Ghostbusters two was one of those. And we talked about that on a recent episode of raised by rentals mm-hmm. where I was like, I remembered it as being this really great, like fun, like stupid, but fun movie. And I thought that would be a fun thing to pick. And I had a couple other movies uh, that I was thinking about, but I was just going back and forth, back and forth. So finally I just said, fuck it. You know, I know you guys are going to do the black history month. My birthday's in February. And I Googled, you know, black director, horror movie, sci-fi movie. And, and a lot of them I knew, but then all, even there were movies that I thought had been directed uh, by people of color that weren't. 
And there just really weren't that many of them. And I was kind of disappointed to see. Like, I think, you know, Jordan Peele is kind of, you know, running with uh, that mantle right now and kind of, you know, proving that, you know, horror isn't just a bunch of like, you know, bearded white dudes, you know. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, but I know that there's other people out there. So, you know, I was just trying to look up one and I found, I came across Remy Weeks. This is his first full length film. And I thought, man, I mean, how good can it be? I watched the trailer and it was literally the first trailer that I watched out of any of the potential movies. And I immediately texted you, was like, that's it. No techie backsies. Like, this is a movie. <laughs> like, no more Hammond and Hawn. We're going to do this. We're going to go all in on Black History Month. And just not only that, but to watch something new. Because on this podcast and on Raised by Rentals, we talk a lot about old properties, movies from the 80s and the 90s, or even older than that sometimes. And I thought it would be fun to have an excuse to watch something new, right? Something more modern and maybe, maybe speaks to a different type of audience. And I definitely do not regret this pick. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really really glad you picked it because I, I was gonna put it on the list, and uh, when you told me that, I was like, all right, perfect, I'll I'll take it off the list, and we'll put it aside for this. Um, which I by this point, at uh, the time of us recording this, I was able to post the the list of the the winners, and I think we got a pretty damn solid lineup for this month, because uh, okay. my birthday pick, uh, which will actually be end up being the first episode of the month. Um, cause for the listeners who, who may not know or may not remember, Josh and I have the exact same birthday. Uh, so this will be coming out on the third and then mine will be coming out on the sixth. Uh, but I picked Demon Knight, uh, to the Tales from the Crypt movie, which is one of my all time favorite, uh, nineties horror movies Hell yeah. and, um, great movie. Absolutely fun. I already watched it twice. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm so ready to talk about this movie. Um, but then we have Bones, which is another really fun, uh, early two thousands horror movie, but then we have two heavy hitters with Get Out and Antebellum. And both are very, very solid horror flicks, but also very emotional horror flicks. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we have a really good uh, lineup this month, it, which I don't know that it'll make for the best episodes, because sometimes, as we discussed on our Critters episode, sometimes it's best when the movie is shit. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and we just kind of rail on it. <laughs> but, I know. I just listened I, to the Critters episode today, and I was just like, "Oh, I don't even want to think about this movie again, let alone like listen to you guys talk about it for an hour and a half." <laughs> what did What did you think of the the power of the night closer? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Power of the night. Yeah, <laughs> it's so perfect. Call it. Oh no, no more of that. No more of that. <laughs> I'm really glad, Josh, that you picked this movie because I think that we all know that if it's a movie Mike has never seen. And we tell him to watch it. The chances of him getting to watch it are slim. This is true. This is very <laughs> true. So when he told me that this was, I saw this movie when it first came out. Mm -hmm. And when he told me that this was going to be your birthday pick, I was super excited. Nice. Well, let's, let, let's run with that. Let's go around the table. Like, uh, well, real quick, Josh, what are your actual thoughts on the movie? Like, what did you feel about this? Ooh, I think we might need to save some of my reactions for like specific scenes because yeah. one thing I really, first of all, I like the movie. I, I, I damn near loved the movie. I thought it mm -hmm. was absolutely uh, amazing that Remy Weeks, you know, he comes out swinging with his first full length. He's done some, some shorts before this, but man, for a debut full length movie, like this is incredibly impressive. Uh, just really well done from artistic perspective, and the story is really, uh, really, you know, uh, captivating and really striking. Mm -hmm. You know, I was 
all in the whole time. In fact, I was watching with my oldest and Tegan, and at one point they start talking to me, ask me a question about something that's going on or, you know, some, for some context about some of the backstory. And I just started waving my hand in their face, like, shh, shh quiet, quiet. Like, don't you dare <laughs> interrupt it. Cause I am like in this, you know, like I am, <laughs> I am deep in, in the emotional, like roller coaster of what's happening here. So yeah, I, that's what I loved about the movie. Cause it was super creepy. It definitely scratched that itch of like the goose bump inducing creepy ghost type story. But I had a really, really great explanation for what was going on. And I was just like engaged the whole time. I was like worried about the characters. Knowing it's a horror movie and bad shit's definitely going to happen to them. I was like really worried. I was really concerned for them, you know. And that I think uh, alone is the the thing that really speaks to me the most when I can care so much about the characters that I'm like sweating and like, no one mm-hmm. talk to me. Like, I got to find out what happens, you know. And uh, I just thought it was amazing. Yeah, no, I, I I definitely agree. But Susie, as, as I don't know if Maurice, I don't know if you've seen this, but I know Susie, you said you've seen it before. So let's toss it over to you. What are your thoughts? I love this movie and watching it the second time critically, I love it even more. I love I love the characters. I'm invested in the characters. Um the whole like the witch that follows the apif mm-hmm. that oh, follows yeah. them. Oh my god. And that the end is just so like I even though I've seen it before, I was like mm-hmm. tense and holding my breath. Yep. Yes. Yep. At the end, and just it elements of it, which we'll get into more, kind of reminded me of um, the short story by Charlotte Perkins Gilman, "The Yellow Wallpaper." Oh yeah, definitely. Um, that's one of my favorite short stories ever. Just like it. that, it's almost like a descent into in into like insanity. Hmm. Because they are, they know what's going on. And then, you know, you got Matt Smith and he's like, all right. (laughs) (laughs) You want a new place, do (laughs) you? So you've got rats. And I honestly, honest to God, this may be the first episode that we ever record where that, what I just said is Mm -hmm. may very well be the only like smart ass funny thing that I'm going to say, because this movie is so intense and so just engaging. And it really, it really is scary. And it's, I mean, there are jump scares, but the jump scares serve a purpose. Yes. Absolutely. Fucking Yeah. I, I love this movie. If you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix. It's, it's great. Yeah. Well, Maurice, what about you? Is this your first watch or uh, what do you think about it? Yeah, it's the first time I, I've watched it. I, I gotta say, I was really impressed by it. Uh, it was really good. Uh, I thought the cinematography was great. Like, the oh, shots and... It was and, beautiful. I mean, everything about mm-hmm. it was the acting, mm-hmm. the you know, the cinematography, the the story itself. I mean, I there's not one thing I can find wrong with it. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, and like I said, it was my first time watching it, and I, I'd probably watch it again. You know, if I, mm-hmm. you know, if it comes across, I, I probably will would put it on. Um, yeah, the actors were really good. Yeah, they uh, were. it was just, I mean, the music was was good. You know, nothing. You know, it, it was very uh, atmospheric music, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's something. That, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Maurice. That's something that Tegan mentioned when we were watching it last night. Like immediately, the first comment they they said to me because I was like, "Get your comments out of the way early," you know. <laughs> uh, 
but the, right off the bat they were like oh listen to the music like what a perfect way to start like i'm creeped out already and i haven't even seen anything and i, mm-hmm. and I was like i i totally agree yeah yeah the music oh, it was it was it was solid <laughs> but uh but no so so you're, you're definitely a fan then huh oh yeah yeah and uh, you know I'm actually excited about this month with with the topic, you know, because there's so many great directors out there, minority directors who, you know, nobody ever talks about other yeah. than, you know, Jordan Peele. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we can we can finally get some other names out there, you know, of great, uh, you know, directors. Oh, I totally get. And, you know, honestly, there, there was a lot of movies on the list that uh, didn't make it that I haven't seen. So having, you know, looked them up, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back and watch those these months. Like I haven't seen the Atlantics or uh, sweetheart and both of those, um, they got a, well, and, and I don't think Atlantics got any votes, but I know sweetheart got a couple votes. And after reading the synopses of both, I'm like, I'm going to make an effort to watch those this month because they sound really interesting. And I had never heard of them. And especially after watching this, um, which like you, Maurice and, and Josh, I had not seen this before. I had heard of it. Uh, Susie, I remember you had mentioned it. It was one of those movies. It was like it was on my radar. I just hadn't gotten to it yet. And my God, like it. I don't think I can find a single thing I disliked about this film other than the fact that it made me ugly cry a couple of times. <laughs> um, yeah. But like, you know, there I watched it twice before we did this because essentially it was a new movie to me. I was like, all right, let me just watch it and absorb it. And then let me go back and watch it and make my notes. And Usually when I have to watch it a second time, I'm like, oh, are we done yet? Like, come on, I already watched this movie. Like, there's normally that reaction. But the second watch, I found myself not making notes and being engaged again in the story and having to stop the movie and be like, no, 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 write down, write it down, write it down. <laughs> like, you gotta, you're making notes, <laughs> you're watching this for a purpose. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. my God, yeah, the acting is wonderful. Like, you, you feel the pain of these characters. Um, like there was so many times where I was getting choked up because of like, again, we'll get into it in the story, but like what the main, the main, uh, crux of what the two, uh, the two characters are dealing with. Yeah. It's, it's such a painful idea and it's such a horrific thought. And then when we get to the big reveal, holy shit, that that's the part that made me ugly cry. Like, I was like, (laughs) I just lost it. Um, but you mentioned the jump scares, Susie, and and I will say this: like this is honestly the only film I can think of where the jump scares didn't feel cheap. They didn't feel yeah. like yeah, you know, like they they felt earned. And yeah. the, like the very first jump scare where Bowl is like looking into the wall, and mm-hmm. he leans back, and we and we get that jump scare of what's behind him. Like not only did it make me very scared like it really unsettled me and made me jump but it also served a purpose to the story and i loved that like it wasn't just like haha there's freddie you know it wasn't one of those kind of jump scares it was Mm -hmm. like holy shit this makes a lot of sense um and going i'm sorry oh no no go ahead and going back to just how atmospheric and like the cinematography the fact that Mm -hmm. a lot of the scenes in that living room are darkly lit yes make it even scarier because you look and as as someone watching it a second time, I was watching it and thinking, wait, is there, do I see something there? Like, is there, did I miss it the first time? Well, because there are a couple of scenes with the, with the apath where 
like you just see the eyes or you just see yes. part of an outline. So yeah, I was doing the same thing. Like it, it literally had me jumping at shadows, which was yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah. It's and funny. good. There's that scene. Well, well, I'll wait till we get to it where he's pulling the wiring out of the wall. Oof, what the shadow yeah. looks like. Woo. Yep. But yeah, what you say, John? I have so many comments I want to make too about the about the lighting and the pacing and um, but I, I want to save it for when we get to some of the scenes. But yeah, just in terms, I'll just mention the jump scares now. I comment on that. I loved jump scares because they definitely got me, but not in that like. I didn't like get startled and like, you know, and you know, my body didn't jerk. I didn't jump out of my chair, but really more of like, I just immediately like the hair stood up on my arms and I was just like, Oh God, like out loud, you know? But what I liked about it is like you said, they felt very earned, but also it, it was earned in the sense of like, you, you can kind of see them coming. Like, you know, something's about to happen. It's just a matter of like, like where on the screen is going to happen. But mm -hmm. then it's like what I liked about it so much is that once you knew that this was what how they were going to show you these spirits like in the background or in the doorway or in the wall, it was almost like the filmmakers were like, look, let's not just uh, play into the same cliche bullshit that everybody does with a horror movie with like jump scares. And then they're, they're going to run away and we're going to move the camera really fast. and You're going to hear a skittering noise and like, you know, and we're going to edit it really fast. You're never going to see anything. But instead, even when they only held on the spirit for a brief moment, you always got a clear idea of what it was. You could see yep. it. And, and then they yeah. just stopped trying to, they stopped cutting away at a certain point and they were like, look, we're just, there's something here that the character is seeing and we're going to let you as the viewer see it, which I love because I get so frustrated in horror movies sometimes when the characters that were supposed to be like, they're the point of view character for the audience and they're seeing something, but then the audience doesn't get to see it or you don't get a good look at it. And like yeah. from a story storytelling perspective, like, you know, the the jaws effect of like save it for the end but even with jaws you, you you knew what it was you knew it was a big ass fucking shark and you got to see parts of it even before you got like the big reveal it wasn't like it was just like oh there's a fin going that way there's a fin going that way you know and right like, i feel yeah. cheated sometimes when you watch a movie and you're like just slow the fucking camera down and let me see what the characters are seeing because it takes me out of the point of view of the character it makes me feel less sympathetic because mm -hmm. It's like the movie becomes manic, you know, and I liked that this one, it never went there. Even when the characters were getting manic, you know, in mm -hmm. their own sort of like, you know, uh, mental instability. As a viewer, we always were watching everything that was happening. Absolutely. You, you know what this actually reminded me a lot of uh, because and I think it's just because of the nature of a ghost story. Um, it reminded me a lot of The Innkeepers. Oh, and, I love that movie. Uh, me too. Yeah. And. And it was because of the pacing and, again, the way they handled the jump scares and the ghosts. Because in the innkeepers, like, yeah, there were a few cheap jump scares. Like, I'm, I'm, I will say that. That was also came out during the era of, like, jump scare, jump scare, jump scare. Like, that was the, the like, late or the early 2010s. Um, but mm -hmm. yep. it, uh, you know, when you finally see the ghosts in that movie, they don't shy away from it. They're like, look, there's a fucking ghost. It's right there. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. And th this kind of felt very similar in that aspect. Like it hinted at the ghosts for a little while. And then when they showed them to you, like you said, they showed them to you. And like, you didn't question what was that? Was that a ghost? You only questioned that when it was showing the darkness and you were like, is there, is there something there? Cause they're like, there's that brief hint of something there, but then they start showing them to you and they don't stop. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm glad that you mentioned the innkeepers because that's one of my favorite like spooky ghost movies of like the century so far. I love mm-hmm. that movie for exactly that. What you said is they do such a great job of building and building and building this like anticipation, this, you know, this tension of like, oh, something's going to happen. And then it, they fucking it, the climax is just like wonderful. You know, like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> like yeah. you really get to experience it, you know, and, and that's what I love about it, because <laughs> the payoff like the payoff is worth like an hour of buildup and tension. And then you yeah. really get something that was worth all that, like all that, like sweat and goosebumps, you know, <laughs> and sitting on the edge of your seat rather than it wasn't just like five minutes of like, Oh, there's a ghost. And then the characters are all dead. Like, no, like it, <laughs> there was, there was meat on the bones and this one had even more. So like, it was almost oh, like God, they were yeah. like, we're just going to ramp up the tension real, just real quick, like just enough to kind of get you guys on edge. And then we're just going to roll with it for like an hour. <laughs> Well, and, and the other thing that this film really, really captivates um, that and, I, and I, I'm going to save a lot of it for when we go through the film. But there's a lot of the feeling of being out of place, a lot of the, mm-hmm. you know, stranger in a strange land type of thing. Uh, there's yeah. there's one one sequence in particular, and, and it goes to what Maurice said about the cinematography where uh, Rial is is going to try to go to the doctor. And yeah. everything about it. Oh, but that whole sequence, that whole sequence yeah. right Ugh, from the get go, like when she's she's walking and the little like hoodlum comes running up behind her. He's like, hey, 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 you. Hey, you. Hey, mm-hmm. you know, like just fucking with her. And mm-hmm. like it, it's that nice long shot where you see like she's alone, like she's in this huge open area, but she's alone. And here yep. comes this this like random stranger fucking with her. And then, you know, she's like in those tight corridors trying to like find her way around the courtyard. And there's like the kids playing soccer, like hitting it off the wall. And there's like rubble and all the like something could jump out from anywhere. And she's like and the music is amping up. And then eventually she finds those three teenagers who she tries to get help from and they fuck with her. There's just all of this like this tension just surrounding where she's living. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it's like not yeah. just the ghost, like it, it, it's it's wonderfully done, and it's the whole movie is very disturbing and unsettling. So, well, you I, know, I'll, you know, you know what they say. What's that? Humans are worse than ghosts. They're, oh, they're more God, scary yeah. than ghosts. <laughs> oh, Humans yeah. are always more frightening, and that's the thing, though. This is yeah. one of the the rare examples of a film where I was genuinely feeling fear. And it wasn't like I was looking over my shoulder fear, but it was like I was in the moment with the characters, like feeling that tension and fear. So, again, kudos to, to friggin yeah. Remy Weeks, because, damn, this is a solid flick. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. I, I haven't seen anything else he's uh, has upcoming, but he needs to do something. <laughs> yeah. He's uh, the only thing I, I like. He did a bunch of like uh, shorts and he did uh, a television show called Fright Bites. He did a uh, episode of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like he's, he's relatively new. So I really hope he's got more coming down the pipeline. Cause this was mm-hmm. impressive. And, um, I think one thing we forgot to mention, like, yes, you, Josh, you mentioned that it came out in 2020, uh, directed by Remy Weeks. Uh, it's an hour and 33 minutes. So it's not a very long film either. It's, it's a very yeah. quick horror film and it gets to it and it just doesn't stop until the end. <laughs> like, I mean, it, it does, there's no lull. Like there's no, no point where I'm checking the time. It was just like, oh shit, what's going to happen next throughout the entire film? Yeah. So yeah. I don't want to slow things down anymore. So I know you're trying to get into the plot, but yeah, I agree. Literally from the opening sequence, like there's like a like a memory slash dream sequence, and already it's not supernatural, but it's like there's this emotional like heaviness and dread, mm-hmm. like literally from the first scene. Like they were not fucking around. 
No, not at all. So now this is the part where I have to apologize to the listeners um, because I'm about to go into the cast. Uh, we all, anyone who's been a longtime listener knows that I have a hard time pronouncing names and I'm going to butcher these. So I apologize ahead of time. Uh, but the, the cast here, we have uh bowl majeure played by, I, I hope I'm saying this right. Uh, Sope Derisu. He was in the mill humans, gangs of London and slow horses. Then Rial Majeure, uh, she, uh, it's uh, Winami Masaku. She was in Law & Order UK, Body Farm, In the Flesh. And she was actually in Batman, Superman, Dawn of Justice, and Loki. Because um, I, I was sitting there going, I know I've seen her before. And then I was like, wait, when, when I saw Dawn of Justice, I was like, oh, yeah, she's in the freaking offices. It was actually a cut scene, too. Um, it's in the Snyder cut. But um, Oh, yeah. Then we have uh, Nyagak, uh, played by Malaki Wakalo Abagaba. I, I don't know if I said that right, but she was only in this. So the the little girl was this was her only movie. Uh, then we have so Mark. Far. Yeah, so far. Hopefully yeah. she's in more because she's really freaking good. She was good. Um, then we have Mark Esworth played by Matt Smith, who I will only refer to as Doctor Who throughout my credits. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, obviously a Doctor Who Terminator Genesis, which uh, both me and Maurice have told people before is way better than people give it credit for. They need to watch it. It's a good flick. I agree. Oh, okay. I didn't know you watched that yet. Okay, cool. Yes. Um, yeah, no, I, I, really, I liked really liked it. That and Dark Fate, I thought, were really good Terminator movies that people just shat all over for some reason. Yeah. Um, he was also in Pride and, Prejudice, Pride and Prejudice with Zombies, Patient Zero, Last Night in Soho, which is another movie we need to get on here. Oh, my God. That might <laughs> be my birthday pick this year. That's such a good movie. <laughs> another ghost movie. Uh, then he was in Morbius, which is a movie we don't need to get on here. But me and Maurice both enjoyed ourselves with it. <laughs> it does get a lot of shit and the editing is rough, but it's 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 an enjoyable flick. Uh, then House of the Dragon, which I haven't watched. Yeah. Um, did did you mention God. The Crown, too? He also plays uh, uh, Prince Philip on The Crown and he's so good. Oh, no, I have. I, I, I left that one out. But yeah, The Crown as well. Yeah, he's um, so good in that. Then we have The Witch or The Apath played by Javier Botet. Uh, he's he's basically another um, Doug uh, Doug Jones. He's the guy in the creature mon and the creature outfits. So he was in Wreck one through four, uh, Witching and Bitching, Crimson Peak, The Conjuring two, uh, Alien Covenant, It Chapter one, Insidious four, The Last Key, Game of Thrones, and Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. So he's he's one of those skinny lanky guys mm -hmm. that's always in the creature costumes. Yeah, I liked him. He was, uh, I think he was in Mama, too, if I'm not mistaken. I gotta look that up, but that was a creepy-ass movie. Wait, was it him or was that Doug Jones? Because uh, that's the thing. Is they, oh, I yeah, it might have been Doug Jones. Let's I gotta look consult it up. the bones. I swear it was him. That's why I was it, like, oh, it, no, it, that, no, that's that guy from Mama. <laughs> it it might have been. Like, I might be getting it confused, because I know, like, again, these two guys, like, like I'll always go, like, is that is that Doug Jones? And then I'll find out it's Javier Bortet. I'm like, no, it's it's okay, it's Javier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it is Javier Bortet. Yeah, he's in Mama okay. too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he was creepy as hell. And, and yeah. I know that only because I, Mama was the first time I ever like looked up to see who it was, and I'm like, oh yeah, I've seen this guy, and it, and I never knew his name, and now I do because of because of Mama. Like that was a the effects in that movie were oh god, so yeah, ugh, I'm getting the goosebumps <laughs> just thinking about it. That was one of that was one of those ones I remember liking it, but I only watched it the once. I need I need to revisit it. Um, but yeah, so there, there's a lot of other people, but it's like they have bit roles, so I didn't put them in the in the cast uh, the cast credits. But for anyone who hasn't seen this, the basic plot is a a refugee couple makes a harrowing escape from war torn South Sudan 
but then they struggle to adjust to their new life in an English town that has an has an evil lurking beneath the surface. So basically, they're being haunted by something. Uh, we open with our main characters, Bol and Rial, fleeing from Sudan with their daughter, Niagak. Uh, while crossing the ocean, their boat is destroyed. We don't see exactly what happens, but everyone is in the water. Bol and Rial are separated from their daughter, who is screaming at, uh, screaming for them as the waves crash all around them. Bol suddenly wakes up. We find out that he's dreaming about what happened to them. Rial is by his bed and asks him, what did you dream about? And I love this. He goes, our wedding day. And she goes, that explains the screams. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I think that was right? the only moment of like levity in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I was like, right away, I like these two. <laughs> so. Yeah, you're right. That, that, that's a good point. Yeah, they, they do a really good job of just immediately making you like care. Yeah. Well, because you see that like he, you know, he gives her that smirk, you know, mm-hmm. and she smiles back at him and like she just goes back to her book reading as he's laying there. So it's like there's this warmness between them that like it, it immediately endears you to this couple like, oh, OK, they're cool, you know, um, and then it also makes it harder when stuff starts breaking down. So they're both in a refugee detention center with other refugees in England. Uh, They're called to their hearing where another refugee tells them, do not get your hopes up. The bastards will send you back to die. So we know it's a pretty bleak situation. Uh, They find they're being released on bail as asylum seekers. It's explained to them in no uncertain terms that they are not citizens and that there are plenty of conditions that they must they must adhere to. And if they fail to do so, they'll be returned to the detention center, disqualified for citizenship and returned to Sudan. So they have to report. Yeah, even, even once. Like, one infraction. <laughs> and that's the thing. They tell them they have to report in every week. They cannot miss a single one. Yeah. Uh, be, this is one, give... I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. This is one of those things that, like, it, it ramps up the tension for me as the movie goes on before things even get, like, horrific and, like, supernatural. Because immediately I'm like, oh, shit. Like, don't fuck up. You know? So, like. Right. At, 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 like, when we when we get there and, like, they and they see their, their house, like, you know, Bull keeps making these choices about the house. And I'm just like, fucking stop, dude. You know? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. But, yeah, no, I exa- that's exactly it. Like, they really do ramp up the tension. Like, they, they ramp up the human tension before we get the supernatural tension. Um, so he, he goes on to say that they'll be given 74 pounds a week for, for financial support, but not allowed to work to supplement their income in any other way. Uh, they will be moved to a home and must reside there and are not allowed to move anywhere else. So basically it's like, we're going to put you in a place. You need to stay there. We're going to give you limited funds. You can't get any other money, any other way and just wait there for further instruction. It's like, ugh, you know, just uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're taken to their new home and it's fucking disgusting. The lights don't work. The door is hanging off the hinges There's garbage on the lawn and in the house. They're told no pets, no parties, no friends. But Doctor Who assures them that they're super lucky because this place is much bigger than usual and, in fact, is bigger than his place. Bigger than his place. Also, I want to make a point that he also says no candles, no smoking. That's right. Mm -hmm. He does. And what do we have throughout the movie? Candles. (laughs) Candles. But that was the other thing. It's like, what did he expect them to do? The the place, the lights don't work. But it's like, oh, no candles. It's like, well, yeah. what? <laughs> so, but a few a few things to note here. They're constantly reminded to be one of the good ones, which it feels very icky the way they're mm-hmm. describing this. Like, like, oh, oh, yeah, just just make sure you're good. Like, you know, it's like, I don't know. It, it, it had a lot of uh, implications that I don't really feel like talking about at the moment, but it, it was it was icky. Um, yeah. You know, Rial is constantly reminded to speak English. 
Um, so basically throughout the film, they're being reminded that they don't belong, which added a whole nother level of uncomfortable, like ickiness to the film. Uh, especially when, you know what, I'm going to save it because we're going to get to it. How, how bowl really tries to embrace this. Yeah. And in turn tries to Mm -hmm. acclimate his wife to their new life. And she's just wanting to hold on to their customs. And we see yep. that throughout the whole movie. Yep, exactly. Yep. And uh, we see that the neighborhood is just like complete garbage. Like people all around them just don't seem to give a fuck. And there's just like garbage everywhere. Like we'll see a scene later where there's just like people pissing in their yard. And like, it's just, it's fucked up. Um, but we get a quiet moment with Bull where he goes into one of the bedrooms by himself and cries, then laughs and composes himself. You know, his, his, his fear and pain is, like, palpable in this scene. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's the first of many gut punches. Um, but, yeah, it's just, like, damn. Like, again, he's really good actor in this movie. Uh, but this scene is followed by the second gut punch where Rial is looking at Nyagak's doll, and she makes a necklace out of the doll's clothing. And, again, the, the pain of losing a child, like, I, that's what was getting me. I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, I can't even put myself in that place. We're 11 minutes into the film and already I'm getting choked up. Like, I'm like, damn, like, okay, guys, like you can slow it down now. I'm not, I shouldn't be crying this entire time. Yeah. Right. But, and I don't want to, I don't want to get like ahead. Cause I know you're, I know you're getting there, but like in, you mentioned them, them feeling very out of place. And we, we see that here immediately. Like they're in a different country. Like they're in this disgusting apartment. They're being told to like speak English and like be the good ones. And it, like there's a sequence in the, the coming up very very soon where somebody yells at them like you know like oh are you one of them refugees and yeah. I got like scared like oh no yeah like, me too there's gonna be like violence mm-hmm. now like and luckily that's not what happened but like that's the next bit of this movie and again part of that ramping up that tension because it's like they do everything they possibly can as like storytellers to isolate this couple who yeah. they're, they were so happy to get out of the detention center that they were like cr- laugh crying about it, you know? Yeah. And, and then of course bull breaks down crying. Cause he's like, finally we have like a place to live. And then immediately it's like, all their dreams are being destroyed like one by one by one. And yes, yeah, so you mentioned how the two of them, Bowl and Rial, react to it very differently, which ramps the tension up even more because now they're not, they're not even like in a comfortable place with each other anymore. Yeah. It's oh, man. Like, again, I, I, we're going to, we're going to end up saying this a lot throughout this episode, but my God, just watch this movie. It's so fucking good. It's not getting the attention that it deserves. Um, but <clears throat> that night we see them in their new home. Uh, Bowl is trying to make the best of it, telling his wife, we will be, we will be new here. We can be born again. Um, later that night, he hears something in the house something that sounds a lot like muffled laughter and begins to look around. Some Suddenly somebody hits the side of the house, hooligans throwing a bottle or something. We'll, we'll get to it later what that was. Um, but it's, it's a, a jump scare moment that scares Bull. He covers his ears as he, and hears screams and cries and gunfire. So his past is haunting him. Uh, he hears something moving in the walls and goes to listen. Something hits the wall hard and scurries away. Bull tries to see what it is through a hole in the wall, but can't find it. Now, this is where we get the, the jump scar I was talking about at the start. He lays down and he's like searching, like looking in the hole in the wall. And when he leans up behind Bull, we see the ghost of Nyagak wide eyed and moaning. That scared mm. the fucking shit out of me. Hell yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, 
that was a full on like holy crap jump scare. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Me and Tegan both at, at at the same time out loud were just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. it, it was a very well done jump scare. But you know, he he turns and he looks behind him and there's nothing there. And then suddenly a crow flies out of the wall. So we get a double jump scare. And once Bull comes down, I love it because he simply just says, strange country. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So the next day he gets to work cleaning up and fixing the house. Rial finds Nyagak's doll in in the garbage and takes it back. Uh, Bull goes out for the day and a few things happen here. He sees the creepy cat lady neighbor watching him from the window, who she will come back a little later. Um, oh, that fucking bitch. Right? The, the, oh, she's the Karen of the film. She but... is the Karen of the film. <laughs> he, we also find out what happened the night before. We see, like, it looks like a, a container of takeout. Like, somebody had thrown some kind of, like, noodles, like, on his door. So it's, like, all oh, covered yeah. in porch. Um, so it's just, like scumbags. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, the whole whole area is just filled with these jerks. Um, but he goes, he goes into town and gets a haircut and ends up passing by a bar where one of the locals calls him over. This is the part you were talking about, Josh, where they was like, Hey, are you, are you one of them refugees? And like, there's that moment of tension before we find out that they give him a box of goods, um, which filled with like, like toilet- a welcome package. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, toiletries and snacks and stuff like that. And oh, they had of- little biscuits, <laughs> which it's funny. Cause I've actually had those. Uh, one of, one of my friends has sent mm-hmm. me like care packages from England and she sends all sorts of like little like tea biscuits and stuff. And they're, they're, freaking tasty recently you know we also forget too that even though the people aren't that much better there mm-hmm. that's in england it's not here now here if a refugee walked by a place like that and sit and someone said hey are you a refugee there'd probably be some violence or something yeah but since yeah, sadly. England, yeah they're, they're a so, little more proper <laughs> right i mean we find out later that you know all teenagers being teenagers, but I, uh, I see a difference between there and here. I oh yeah. But, I'm sorry. Were you gonna say Maurice? Like, uh, I heard... that, oh no, that's all I had. Oh, um, but yeah. So they give him a box of goods, and and he kind of he kind of joins them in the bar for a little while, uh, watching soccer with them. He's trying his best to assimilate and have a mm-hmm. happy life. Uh, that night back at uh, back at home, Bull wakes up and hears someone walking around the house. He goes to investigate and finds the light, uh, the light on and buzzing. He goes to turn it off, but it won't shut off. Suddenly, the wallpaper peels back, revealing a hole in the wall. Bull reaches in and the light shut off. He finds a cable and begins pulling it, which turns into a rope covered in seaweed. He frantically oh. pulls on it. <sighs> this is the scene you were talking about, right, Susie? Yeah, the shadow of him yes. in the moonlight mm. is just amplifies the creepiness and scariness factor of him pulling wiring out of the wall that turns into rope covered in seaweed. Yep. yep. And it's like, as he's like breathing heavier and heavier and heavier and like freaking out. And we see something walking up behind him just out of focus. Ooh. And Oh, it, it's, it, we see what it is later, but right now it's like this giant, what the fuck moment? Like, what is that thing? But mm-hmm. he pull he pulls the rope to its end and we see Nyagak's doll. Suddenly, hands reach out of the hole and grab the doll and yank it back inside. Bull jumps back and looks around frightened. He looks back at the hole and it's gone. But he then hears someone faintly humming. He taps at the wall and there's no hole. He spends the rest of the night peeling all the wallpaper off the walls. 
So yeah, like, and, and his this, poor this, this fucking what, wife. Yeah. Right. Well, this is one of those moments where he starts like peeling the wallpaper off, and it's like I understand because he just had this like horrific moment, but it's like. You know, they already created this this like sort of tension by saying like you can't do anything to the apartment, you can't change anything or do you know, and so immediately he starts peeling the walls, and I'm like, oh, dude, stop! I'm gonna kick you out. What are you doing? You right. know, it's like there's like so many layers of like tension happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and that that fucked with me throughout this entire film. <laughs> but so Rial wakes up and finds the mess that Bowl has made. She calls out for him, but he's nowhere around. Faintly, she hears someone call out Mama, but she finds no one. She sweeps up the wallpaper bits and goes to put the broom back in the closet. But when she opens the door, she's struck with a vision of Nyagak and the other refugees crammed in the back of a truck at night. She hangs her head, clearly haunted by her past. Like, oof. Fucking mm, chills. Yeah. Man. Like, that, that yeah. scene, that's, oof, sent chills up my fucking spine. I was like, ugh. I'm like it this you know what this movie does is it's it's the perfect example of making you feel uncomfortable but still wanting more. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. And and and, and th- those sequences too especially coming from Rael's point of view like when I was watching this the first time cuz I did end up just like starting over again and I didn't watch it all the way through but I kind of had it on the background and I was like <laughs> noticing so many things with under like a different a different light or a different reference you know but mm-hmm. the point is that uh, I thought for sure that this movie was all going to just be, like you said, like the ghosts of the past. Like it's a metaphorical ghost story and that these characters are so out of place and so right. out of their comfort zone and and made to feel so isolated that, you know, their psychosis is like uh, manifesting these like visions and these nightmares, these dreams, because, you know, they have these, like, you know, like I said, these sort of meta- uh, metaphorical ghosts following them around and weighing them down and, you know, Jacob Marley style. But right. as the movie progresses and you realize that it's not metaphorical, like, yes, they are the ghosts of the past and, you know, <laughs> actually haunting them. <laughs> but it's like they are literally, and that's what made it so interesting to me. Like, uh, I mean, there's so many things that are fascinating, but I love that's when I was really like, okay, I am all in. Like, this is a well made movie, but now the yep. story is really impressing me. Uh, because, yeah, I, I thought that this was just going to be like people dealing with their experience in a civil war, but no, like, there really was like a witch, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. And that, that's an, that's another thing. We'll have you and I specifically will have to talk off the air because I have some ideas. But um, I love finding out about like the like different cultures, uh, like monsters, for example. Like you know how every culture around the world has their own myths and monsters. And I it sent me down a rabbit hole reading about the Apath, and it was like it's just very fascinating to me because again, you I in all of my horror movie watching. I've never heard of an apath before. So I was like, Ooh, let me find out what this is. And that that's just another layer that fascinated me about this film. Cause it isn't just a traditional ghost film. It also has like, you know, this, this new element of like a, I don't want to call it like a cryptid, but you know, in that vein of like a, a myth or a monster uh, that I hadn't seen before. So I, I was very fascinated by that. But uh, so we, we cut to, to bowl out shopping for tools to fix his house. And then back to Rial, uh, she's on her way to find the doctors. This part is the part I was talking about that's completely fucking unsettling. Um, you know, she's like, we get that wide shot where she's walking and the teen runs up behind her trying to get her attention. You know, she ignores him and he wanders off. She gets lost and asks for directions from three more teens who fuck with her, giving her the wrong directions and mocking her, telling her to go back where she came from. The whole thing is just she's she's out of place and she doesn't mm-hmm. feel like she belongs. And the entire sequence, just the way it's shot, it makes you feel unsettled. 
Like it, it, it makes mm-hmm. you empathize with where she is. And it's just like, fuck, that's unsettling. Um, like nothing about it feels safe. <laughs> like the whole yeah. time I was worried for her. So yeah, totally. And like, um, and I love how 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 she and I'll let you explain it, but I love the difference between the way that she reacts to feeling um, snubbed by like the locals or the way that she interacts with the locals and the way that Bowl does. Like the way that they yeah. they do have different experiences. Granted, like Bowl was immediately sort of like, oh, here's a care package and you're welcome here and come to the bar and sing a song. And she got the opposite of that. But I still think it's very telling the way that they both react. Yeah. Where he's he desperately wants to assimilate, like he wants this to be his new life, mm-hmm, and yeah. she she is very clearly wanting her old life back, um, you know. But unfortunately, horrible things happened, you know, and 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 she was forced to leave her home. So it's but we we cut to her finally uh, having made her way to the doctor's office to get a checkup. The entire time the nurse is attempting to make small talk, but Riel is just like over this entire thing at this point. Um, she makes a comment about her daughter. She's like, oh, we should check her out, too. And Rial says nothing. Um, then mm. the nurse comments on the Dinka tribal markings on Rial's temple. And Rial tells her that she's had them since she was a child. She then points to the ones on her arm and says that she gave those to herself with a knife uh, when she found her family butchered. Like, mm. oof. She goes on to say there are two tribes where I'm from. They're both killing each other. Depending on which one you belong to, you mark yourself. I marked myself with both. I survived by belonging nowhere. I was like, fuck, dude. Like, that yep. entire yeah. sequence is just a giant gut punch. Um, and she then she comments that uh, they lost their daughter. So, like, you just see, like, the nurse being like, oh, fuck. Like, I, I fucked up. I should not have said that. <laughs> like, I yep. should have read the file before I said something. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and this is again really another another one of those examples of how I feel like Rial she had like she had like one bad example, and then in her head was just like, you know what, the world's fucked up everywhere, so why shouldn't I just go home? Like, why am I going to be here? Everyone sucks here. Everyone mm-hmm. sucks at home. Like, it was like she immediately realized that maybe going going to England, maybe leaving in the first place was a mistake, you know, whereas Bull yeah. is like, this is heaven. Like, this is paradise. Like, I want to be just like the English people, use forks and sit at the table and wear their polo shirts and mm-hmm. speak English. And, you know, and she's just like, fuck it, man. The whole world sucks. Yep. And and this, this again, is a testament to, to the acting in this film, because you feel like when she's when she's talking through this scene, like she's explaining to the nurse. Like you feel the weight of the situation in her voice. So mm-hmm. it's like the acting is f- phenomenal. <laughs> like it's so good. Um, but back at the house, Rial uh, sets down some bags of groceries and looks down, looks out the window to see a teenage girl pissing in her fucking yard. I was like, Jesus Christ, these people are animals. Like what the fuck? Uh, what, what do they think? Like she Niagara wasn't Falls? even. <laughs> I, the whole, yeah, it really reminded me of that. And you know what the, you know what the kicker is? Hmm. She probably wasn't wearing knickers because she was in like a Catholic schoolgirl uniform and just like spread her legs and pissed all over the ground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, then she yells to her friends, I think someone's living in there. It's like, God, you're gross. <laughs> but, so she sits down in the room with all the peeled wallpaper and hears a deep voice say, come. Suddenly the bag of groceries that she set down tips over and a peach rolls from the kitchen to the hole in the wall, and she hears the voice say again, come. It then begins whispering rapidly, 
and Rial watches the hole with wide, frightened eyes. So it's speaking to her. We don't hear what it's saying. We hear it telling her to come to it, but then it just starts like kind of whispering in rapid succession. That night, Bull returns home to find Rial waiting for him with a with a homemade candlelit dinner. She has it spread out on the rug on the floor. Uh, he's happy, but comments that next time they should use the table. So again, he's already telling her we need to assimilate. Mm-hmm. And then he's, he goes and gets cutlery yep. because she's eating the traditional way in the traditional mm-hmm. manner that they're accustomed to. And he's like, nope. And then what does she say? Something like, all I can taste is the metal. Yeah. yeah. And, and mm-hmm. he goes, you'll, you'll get used to it and starts just shoving forkfuls of food in his mouth. And it's like, uh, so already we're seeing we're seeing that divide between them get wider and wider with each scene. Um, Bull tells her that they, they need to get or Yeah, he tells her that they need to get used to the, the silverware. And he goes, I've seen it here. There are jobs here. We, we can thrive. He goes, we can be given a chance here. And then he tells her we can start a family. She looks at him like he's gone mad. Now, at this point in the film, that look is completely understandable, considering the loss of Nyagak. But, yeah. But later this scene hits a little differently. Yeah. yeah. But this was this was one of the scenes when I first saw it. Like this was a gut punch when he said that. I was just oh, like, Oh God. Yeah. I was just like, You fucking bastard. Like, why would you how could you say that to her? Like, why now, of all things, like all me of all times, you say that shit to her now? Like, come on. Yeah. It, it was I I no, no joke, I literally gasped out loud when he said that. I was like, oh, You bastard. <laughs> like right? But then it was like, you know, it was one of those things where after the uh, you know after we see what happens, I was like, uh, oh, 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 that's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> like it, this, yeah. This is this is definitely one of those movies, like I said, I just let it run, like, again, the second time, even though I didn't sit down and watch the whole thing. But, man, you got to watch this movie twice, because you watch it the first time, and, like, you don't know any of the twists and turns, and you're just experiencing it the way that the characters are. But then once you know the story, go back and watch it again, and pick up all of the foreshadowing because man, the nuance of just the way that their facial expressions, you know, uh, twist and like the, the tones of voice. It's like the actors clearly knew like what the twist was and they were, you know, again, they were very subtly trying to communicate something that wasn't obvious, but they did such a great job of like not giving it away. But you watch it the second time and you're like, Oh, they fucking knew like, you know, (laughs) it it hits so different. It hits so different. This uh, reminded me uh, another film we recently covered that doesn't do it quite as well, but uh, Puka, uh, we covered that at Christmas time, is very similar in the sense of like there there is shit that you that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense or you're like shocked that is happening uh, in in the first watch, and then when you watch it the second time after knowing the twist, you're like, oh oh, they were setting that shit up <laughs> like so. It's I love it when a movie can do that, where it, it, it makes you want to watch it a second time to go back and see like mm-hmm. the stuff you missed. Um, but yeah, so Rial goes goes on to tell Bol a story that her mother used to tell her. She says, in our village, there was once an honorable but poor man who wanted his, wanted a home of his own. He wanted it so badly he began to steal from others. One day he stole from an old man who lived by the river. And I'm sorry, I put it in a van down by the river in my notes. Um, <laughs> I, I, I had to. <laughs> Lighten mood a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but he, did, he didn't know that this man was an apath, a night witch. So the thief would not know that when he built his home, the apath too would live there. So before long, the walls would whisper the spells of the apath. From the shadows, the dead would come. The apath would not stop until he had consumed the man entirely. An apath has risen from the ocean. It followed us here. It spoke to me. 
And then as soon as she says that, something in the next room like bangs on the wall. Mm-hmm. And Bull asks mm-hmm. her, what did it say? She goes, we don't belong here. If we leave and repay our debt, it will guide us back to her, to Nyagak. Bull st- stares at her at disbelief and tries to tell her that Nyagak is gone. He, she then argues with him in Dinka, and he tells her to speak English. She tells him that she will speak in her mother's tongue, and he yells at her in Dinka. He goes on to tell her that, he, that we've grieved enough, and he begins eating again. Rial watches him with disdain. She tells him that, that she had convinced herself it was nothing more than a dream, that she was overwhelmed. But then she looked into his eyes, and she sees that he is a liar. Cut to Bull working at the house by candlelight later that night, Behind him, we see the candle slowly fade out. Then in the shadows, we hear a girl humming. Bull turns to look at the hum, and the humming grows deeper as we see a figure in the shadows. Suddenly, the girl runs past the door saying, Mama. Bull grabs his phone with the flashlight and starts looking around, and we see Nyagak sitting in the other room, stabbing at the floor with a knife, saying, Mama. He slowly approaches, calling out to her. She turns and attacks him, missing him twice with a knife. He panics and crawls against the wall, Nyagak backs away into the shadows and disappears. Bull hears a noise coming toward him and rushes outside into the yard looking terrified. He looks up to see crazy cat neighbor lady watching him. He forces a smile and heads back inside. So even in his terror, he's like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. Look, look, I'm I'm okay. It's like, yeah, there's so many layers to the pressure in this film. But yeah, it's like it's like it's like he can't even be afraid without having to like put on this uh, this air of like, oh, I'm one of the good ones. You know, it's like, dude, yep. like let the guy just be, you know, let leave him alone, man. <laughs> you know, Exactly. But uh, he heads back inside after smiling at crazy cat lady. Uh, Rial confronts him and asking if he saw it. Bull hears a noise coming from the closet. He opens it and finds Nyagak's doll there. He freaks out, telling Rial to destroy everything that they've been cursed. He gathers up all their belongings that they had from when they fled and he burns them in the yard, despite Rial's protests. Like, there was one one thing where she said that that belonged to my father, and he just grabbed mm-hmm. it anyway. I was like, oh, fuck. He then sees the necklace uh, from the doll around Rial's neck. He goes to grab it, and oh. she tells him, don't leave me with nothing. <sighs> exactly. And he takes anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm. Ugh. But again, you can see the look on her face of how betrayed by her husband she feels. Yep. Bull goes inside as Rial watches the fire consume her belongings. This is where Act One ends. What do you guys think at this point? It's bonkers, Jesus. and I'm here for it. <laughs> it's yeah, so exactly. Like, intense. I am literally like, as I'm sitting here just listening to you describe the movie, I am sweating. Like I am literally <laughs> tense right now. <laughs> and it's that like, like nasty like anxiety sweat you know that yep. like, and it's just like man I, I, i'm not even watching the movie <laughs> <laughs> it oh, i i can't i just i can't say enough how fucking good the acting in this movie is like it's so good mm-hmm. it like you you feel the tension you feel the emotions everything like emotions are high you're tense as fuck everything's creepy i'm loving every part of it Yep. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So act two opens up with Bull goes shopping for new clothes. And immediately, just to like add salt in the wound, after everything he's been through, he walks through the doors and immediately the security guard sets down his drink and starts following him. Yeah. And it's like, oh, dude. <laughs> like, there's just the, these yeah. constant reminders of like, like how fucked up. 
Yeah, sorry. Exactly. And it's the beauty of like all those little details, like that the, the filmmakers, you know, the Remy Weeks, that they, they thought of that, right? That they just kept putting them in and putting them in and putting them in, you know, because they could have just set it up in the first act and then like let it go. But here it is, act two. And already they're like, no, we're not going to let you forget that these mm-hmm. people don't belong here. Yep. And it's, oh, it's just, it's, and it adds, there, there's, you know what it is, is there's never a point when the tension breaks. Yeah. Like the, the tension does not break until literally the final scene before the credits. That's when the yeah. fucking tension breaks. And it's like you can breathe a sigh of almost like not. I don't even want to say relief, but you can you can breathe a sigh of like, OK, I can breathe again. But so we, we you know, he he gets some new clothes um, and again, trying to assimilate, like looking at the posters and the, the pictures of the happy white families. And like trying to buy the clothes that he sees there. And it's just, again, it's that sad, constant reminder of a fish out of water. You know, it, it's that whole, he's being reminded from everything that he doesn't belong, no matter how much he's trying to assimilate. Um, just fuck, gut punch after gut punch. Mm-hmm. So we cut back to home. We see both uh, Bull and Rial in new clothes. Bull is working on fixing the lighting in the house. He's reaching in the wall and ends up cutting himself. We see him like drip blood all over the floor. This is going to be a little important later. Um, and, and, and I'm sorry, but I don't mean to keep interrupting, but I was so upset for them too, because like so this whole time I'm like, be one of the good ones, like follow the rules, like don't get kicked out. Like, you know, don't fuck up the house. Like don't strip the wallpaper off. And then dude goes and buys new clothes and he goes home. And the first thing he does is get fucking blood all over his brand new clothes. Yep. And like, first of all, like mm-hmm. you look like you, you look like shit, like you're not taking care of yourself, but also like they said that they were only going to give him, what was it like 78 pounds a week or something like that? Uh, 74. And, yep. Yeah. Okay. So, and this movie came out a couple of years ago, so it can't be that far off. But as of this recording, like the U S dollar and the pound are pretty much on par. Like they're pretty close to each other. And I don't know about you, but trying to survive on, like you know less than 80 dollars or 80 pounds is like damn near impossible but that's just like food to not starve so Mm -hmm. him feeling like he needs some new clothes makes like i get it like you have to be able to you know present yourself in public or whatever but then to go home and like roll around on the grimy floor and get blood all over yourself i'm like i'm just like dude stop it like again it's (laughs) it's more of this tension i'm just i'm getting so mad you know well what was he gonna wear he burned everything else exactly it's like I'm glad that he like you know he shopped for a good deal and got that seven dollar shirt, but at the same time I was like, dude, you couldn't like hang that shit up before you got to work. Like, fuck, man. Right. Like, when you cut your hand, go wash it off. You don't just like you know, oh well, and just adjust your collar and get that blood all over yourself. Like, dude, yep. like, like it's like he's he's just fucking up at every turn. Like he's fucking <laughs> up with his past and his wife and his daughter and these ghosts, and now he can't even like like look decent for a minute. Like. The guy's pissing me off. Anyway. And, <laughs> and, uh, and he goes to see the doctor the next day with the yep. same blooded shirt on. And like he took old granny panties and wrapped his cut hand up with it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. But eventually uh, he, he finishes up <clears throat> but finds Rial in the kitchen talking to no one. She stops and stares at him. So it's like he, fi- he fixes all the lights and he's all proud of himself. He like goes around the, the, the house fl- flicking all the lights on, but he hears Rial saying, maybe you should talk to him. And like he turns on the light and she's sitting at the kitchen table and no one else is there. It's like, oh, that's creepy. Mm-hmm. So we cut to them eating dinner. <clears throat> and again, now they're eating dinner at the kitchen table. She asks him if he thinks that they are going mad. 
And he tells her that he thinks that it's not good for her to be alone all the time, dwelling with her thoughts. Uh, he suggests that they find something in the community for her to do, to make some friends. She tells him, we're not like them. And then he tells her, but we could be. He, he so badly wants to start over. She asks, mm -hmm. you don't wonder what it tells me? And he tells her that perhaps she is mad, frightening herself with imaginary things in the dark. She looks at him and says, after all we've endured, after all we've seen, what men can do, you think it's bumps in the night that frightens me? You think I can be afraid of ghosts? She tells him, it says I can get her back and that I should be afraid of you. Bull tell, <clears throat> Bull tries, mm. I know, right? <laughs> that line was yep. so good. Bull tries to hold her hand and tell her, this is our home now. She pulls her hand away from him and continues eating. This scene just hits so fucking hard. Because it's like, I feel like anyone who has you know, had like a major loss in their relationship or like gone through a major loss, whether it be like a death in the family or like, you know, uh, a, a breakup or a split up and then coming back together, whatever it is. Like if you've experienced a major loss in a relationship and you're trying to mend the gap between the two of you, it's like this kind of thing hits so fucking hard. It's just like yeah. that, that, that painfulness of knowing like your partner is right there but the rift is so wide that you feel alone, like alone while being together. Like they captured that feeling so perfectly. Yeah. It's like, whew, it, 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 it hits hard. But Bull continues eating and we pan out and see him floating at sea alone with a chunk of the house. I Bull, thought this part was so cool. Uh, the, oh, just the way it looked. It, yeah. it looked gorgeous and it was creepy as fuck. Yeah, this but, is that cinematography, Maurice, that you mentioned. That was so fucking good. Mm -hmm. yeah. But he, he hears someone speaking in Dinka, and he looks up and sees that he's surrounded by water and fog. Shadowy figures lurk in the fog, like muttering to him. He looks down and sees corpses underwater. One of them looks at him and then grabs him. He falls back in the water and is surrounded with corpses. Bull wakes up with a jolt in the room with the hole in the wall. He hears whispering coming from the darkness and looks to see a corpse standing there. He quickly flicks the lights on and it's gone. He then sees footprints appearing on the floor as if something invisible is walking around the room. He hears a voice is asking, help me. He turns the lights on and sees another corpse. He turns the lights back off and hears the voices muttering, I can't breathe. I can't swim. Help me. The lights go off and on a couple more times. And every time he turns on the lights, you know, we see more corpses, turns off again. He backs into the wall, and then the lights flick on, and we see Nyigak standing by the switch, staring at him. He calls to her, she turns the lights off, and once again, he's completely surrounded by the dead. Nyigak jumps on his shoulders and holds a blade to his throat. Bull gets the lights back on, and they're all gone, except Nyigak, who he sees in the hole in the wall, staring at him. She scurries through the walls, and he chases her kind of around the room, trying to grab at her. Bull eventually gets pissed and starts screaming, this is my house, get out and takes a hammer and starts beating the fucking hell out of the wall, like putting holes in the drywall. Smash cut to the next day. Bull is on a bus on his way to, appoint, uh, to an appointment with the refugee offices, and he looks like hell. Right. Like, like, See, again, oh, he's, banging, he's banging holes in the walls, and I'm like, dude, stop it. <laughs> like, this is all going to bite you in the ass, buddy. Stop. I know. But, I, but I was going to say, too, like, you know, that, that was kind of a joke. But also, I love, this is the sequence where the jump scares they stop trying to hide stuff and they're just mm -hmm. showing it to you. And 
like I don't want to get like too like uh, esoteric here, but I think that there's like a metaphor to the light as well. And Susie, you mentioned how they spend so much of the movie like in this living room and, and, and where it's dark and it's candle lit. But this sequence where it's like lights on, lights off, lights on, lights off. I think it, if you pay attention to the movie, too, and again, I saw this on the second watching, is that the movie actually gets lighter as it goes along like he fixes yeah, the electricity yeah. in the house there's more and more sequences that take place during the day or even outside and i really like the fact that it starts off with like this you know creepy shadows and it, all the evils in the darkness but eventually it's like no like the evil's just there like, it's not in the darkness it's it's living in this house and like you they, you it's not hiding from you anymore and you can't hide from it anymore and it made the whole right. thing even creepier because it's like those ghosts were just right there in the room. Like they weren't even trying to <laughs> yep. pretend, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh. And they were able to touch him. That was the thing that got me. Cause a lot of these ghost movies, like they can't touch you, you know, where it's like, they, like I get jumped on him and was holding a fucking knife, like holding his head back and holding a knife to his throat. And like, yeah, maybe that was in his head. Maybe it wasn't, we don't know, but that fucked with me. I was like, Whoa, wait a second. They're actually grabbing onto him. I don't like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> But he gets to the offices for his meeting, and it does not go well at all. Bull tries to explain how he needs a new house, how there are vermin, and it's making them sick. Um, oh, my God. This scene, because he his hand is cut, mm-hmm. and the moment he walks in, the doctor tells one of the other workers to please get him a glass of juice. Yep. Ooh, and he and... takes the glass of juice, and the... The end of this scene, just because mm-hmm. we've all been there where we're in such an intense situation that you're just whether it's you're digging your nails into your hands or digging it into like, you know, the furniture or digging them into your your partner or spouse and mm-hmm. or you're like clutching something for dear life. And then just to see like the tension in the scene just continues to rise. Yeah. And then the glass shatters and he just gets up and runs out. Yeah. Oh, it's so fucking intense because because, yeah, he's trying to explain to them that he wants a new house and and they're like, well, why? You know, like, what do you need? And he's like, oh, there are vermin. And, you know, he's saying that, that Rial got sick and he, she went to the doctor and the doctor says, you know, get out. Must be a new house. Must go to a new house. And as soon as he's saying that, like all the guys in the office kind of echo what Doctor Who said originally was this house is bigger than mine. And there was mm-hmm. you can feel that throughout like throughout this the people that are supposed to be helping them almost seem jealous of the refugees. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. how, how come you're getting this handout? How come you have a bigger house than me? You know, rather than being like actually helping people, like your job is to help these people and you seem jealous of them. Not only that, but okay, maybe their house is bigger than, you know, the, the native Englishmen, mm-hmm. but at least they, they had, well, I mean, we don't see this, but I bet, I bet they have adequate plumbing, adequate yep. electricity, exactly. you know, adequate heat, insulation, walls, things like that. And it, if you think about it, I mean, it really is akin to them kind of, not to oversimplify it, but they're kind of in like a shack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's just so deli- they're in it. They live in a tenement building. Yeah. Well, it, it's the perfect. It's the perfect example of whataboutism. You yeah. Know, and we we see this a lot. And, and I don't want to. I don't want to take this politically, but. You know, we see that a lot in society, the whataboutism, where it's like there there's a specific thing that is happening. And rather than fixing that specific thing, most people respond with, yeah, but what about? And then they they do something that has zero bearing on the situation. You know, right. there's a lot of whataboutism. And 
that was driving me batshit insane in this scene. I'm like, no, it's not about if your house is bigger than theirs. It's that's not what it's fucking about. <laughs> like, fuck, <laughs> just help them. Like, it, oh, it was pissing me off. But yeah. you know, Doctor Who's trying to tell them, um, you know, that basically there's going to be an inquiry. Like, we have to we have to check out the house. He's like. And you know, he's like, not me, mate, but some people might start asking, why is he biting the hand that feeds? And like, that was another one that made me go like, oh, dude, no. Like, it, it made me angry. <laughs> so, yeah. But the whole time, you know, Bull's trying to compose himself and and, and Doctor Who's like, you know, you don't look good, man. He's like, you, you smell bad. You look bad. He's like, something's wrong. Like, you don't look you don't look right. And he's like, remember, and he's like, no, 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 I'm one of the good ones. Remember, like, he had to keep like repeating that. And I was like, fuck, dude, like, this whole scene is uncomfortable, but yeah, he's the whole time, like you said, Susie, he's squeezing that glass of juice and he's smiling and he's trying to keep composed while you can see he's battling back all the shit that he's terrified of. And eventually the the glass cracks in his hand. You, you know, he holds his hand up. We see the glass shards sticking out of the bandages. And then he just looks around the room and everyone's staring at him. His face drops and he fucking runs out of the room. So. Mm. It's like so he 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 walks away from this looking completely fucking nuts, and it's like oh Jesus, <laughs> like it's just yeah. it's such a hard scene to watch. But back at home, Rial sits in, in in the living room with all the holes in the wall, and Nyagak reaches out of the wall and gives her back the necklace that Bull burned. Rial looks up and sees Nyagak and the Apeth watching from inside the wall. Cut to Bull arriving home. Crazy cat lady is a total fucking bitch. And tells him to leave before they kick him out. He tries to tell her that this is our home now. And she scoffs like the raggedy old Karen she is. (laughs) (laughs) Just then, Doctor Who and another agent pull up to check on the house. They see the damage done uh, done to the walls and tell Bull that they have to report, report this. Bull begs them to let him fix the walls. He's like, give me a chance to fix it. Reminding them again and again. Remember, I'm one of the good ones. Yeah. Mm. Doctor Who agrees to to back off and let Bull fix it, much to the chagrin of his his uh, partner, who started snapping Who's... photos. <laughs> and come on now, do people really have any type of sound on their phone where you I hear know. the <laughs> click, click, click of the photos being taken? <laughs> Movie magic. <laughs> Jazz hands. <laughs> but yeah, so, so you know, the, the guy's like, come on, what, you know, we, we can't do that. He's like, let me handle this. And so Doctor Who's trying to give him a chance and then in comes Rial wearing a bed sheet and says, have you told them about the witch? And she, <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I laughed when I saw that. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, because if you think about it, it's mentioned earlier that she wants to continue to wear like clothing traditional to her culture. Exactly. And it's almost like she's trying to like fashion a sari yeah. out mm-hmm. of out of things that they have in the house and bright colors. I mean, her headdresses are gorgeous Mm -hmm. that she, that she has. And they're Joe Schmo there is just like, Oh, look at this. She's wearing a bed sheet. (laughs) But, but the way that they, the, the, the timing of that was, it was a brief moment of levity because like, there's so much tension. Like bowl is freaking mm-hmm. out. Like, no, no, no. I'm one of the good ones. I'm, one, I'm, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. You know, little dude is snapping pictures being like, Oh, they're, they're, they're fucking nuts. And doctor who's over there being like, no, 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 we're going to give him another chance. And here comes his wife. Hey, have you heard about the witch? Like it, just, <laughs> it was, it was almost comical, 
Yeah, I was going to say, too, one of the things I really like is, um, I was going to say, is I really like how, again, just like with the ghosts of the jump scares, how they just try stop trying to hide it. And they just, like, they let you see it. They put it in your face. I love how Rial actually talks to the other characters in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like, even though the things that she's saying might come across as seemingly unhinged or, or you know, just something that Bull doesn't want to hear at all, whether he believes it or not. I love the fact it, that they're actually telling each other, what did you see? What did I see? Because how many times in horror movies would the whole fucking movie, or any movie, the whole movie would have been solved if two characters would have fucking talked to each other about what was going right. on, right? <laughs> exactly. Everybody's always so secretive. It's it's no you're hundred percent accurate hundred percent because like that is that is a staple of ghost movies actually I'm glad you brought that up because in almost all ghost movies with the exception of Poltergeist I'll, I'll give Poltergeist they at least do that in this um, most ghost movies they don't talk to each other they they're like oh I must be going crazy I must be quiet about it and it's like mm-hmm. they keep experiencing it and everybody like you you see that in Nightmare on Elm Street every fucking Nightmare on Elm Street every one of them has that where it's like a character is experiencing these horrible nightmares and and like bringing stuff out of their fucking dream, but they won't say anything to their friends who are also experiencing the same stuff who are afraid to say anything because what if they think I'm crazy? Like it's, it's cool when a movie can do this. Like the old, like literally the only other example I can think of is poltergeist where like right off the bat, they're like, did you see that? Check it out. Look what happens to the chairs. Watch what happens when I pull Carol Ann across the room. Like, (laughs) so (laughs) But yeah, so so that that is cool about this flick. But so she she asks, "Have you seen? Have you, have you told them about the witch?" She tells them that a beast followed them and now lives in this house. It knows great magic and has been tormenting them. That bull has been up all night chasing it with a hammer. She tells them that it, it haunts them with visions of Nyagak. The agents just stare in confusion, looking extremely uncomfortable. We then see the agents leaving and talking outside about how this has to be written up and they can kiss England goodbye. As they go, real. Okay. Was she wearing? Was she wearing bed sheets? Yeah, that's what the one. He's like, "Did you see that? Was she wearing bed sheets?" <laughs> so, and as they as they go, Rial tells Bull, "This is what they want. They like to see us crazy. It makes them feel like big men." She goes on to ridicule Bull for idolizing them, for thanking them for the scraps that they are given. He tries to tell her that this is their home now. She tells him that she's going back with or without him. He tells her how quickly you forget everything we went through to get here. She starts to say how quickly you forget about our daughter, but he grabs her mouth before she can finish saying it, stopping her from finishing the word. He tells her that she is sick and reminds her once again, this is our home and you're not going anywhere. Mm. Bull then breaks the handles on all the windows and takes the handle off the door, trapping them inside. Rial stands against the door, like the other side of the door, trapped inside her own house. End of Act Two. What are you guys thinking? Jesus, getting zanier, <laughs> getting zanier. Poof! That that sequence of her just standing on the other side of the glass of the door, mm-hmm. I was like, oh fuck! Like that that hit me hard. Like the idea of being trapped within your own home, like not safe even in your own home. Like fuck, man. Yeah, yeah. Do and you know what else that is? A fire that? hazard. <laughs> it is. Thank you for true. bringing a brief moment of levity because I'm getting choked up over here. I I had yeah. you know what I'm I will say I didn't think I would have anything clever or witty or funny <laughs> to say, but it's coming out a little bit because you got to break the tension. Oh, you do because I I'm I'm getting the sweats now. Like every time I'm I'm saying these lines, I'm like fuck, man, because I'm I'm reliving the moments of the movie. Mm-hmm. 
I'm getting chills down my spine, literally yeah. getting chills. Yeah. But I mean, they, they're not supposed to have candles. They have candles. Mm-hmm. And then this happens. They're living <laughs> right? in a matchbox. And I'm not talking about the 90s band Matchbox 20. <laughs> <laughs> but when you said that in my head, I heard living in a box, living in a car, box. <laughs> I just took but... a sip of my water at that moment. <laughs> But, but I, I, yeah, oh. that 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 whole sequence with Real just now, like that oh, again, it's another one of those gut punches, right? Especially when when she tries to say like our daughter, and then like Bolt goes to stop her. And I'm just like, I think it was around this time that Tegan was trying to ask questions, and I was just like, hush, you, you know, like, <laughs> don't you talk to me? I am like invested in this, right? <laughs> and, you know, the thing I will say about this is that that <clears throat> the ghost scenes are that perfect blend of scary and sad, which is very hard to pull off because it, it like each scene was very frightening, but there was also that because it's, it's the IGAC because it's the refugees that died along the way there, there's just this, this sadness with every scene. So it's like that I felt extremely impressed by because it's like, it's very hard to pal- to balance fear and despair. And this movie did it perfectly. Yeah. So but who boy. All right. So we're in the home stretch here. <clears throat> so act three, uh, bowl lights a candle and sets it in the middle of the room saying this time you talk to me. He sits and waits for the apath to speak to him. The room slowly goes dark and the candle burns out. A fire lights in the darkness far away from bowl. He tells the creature to show itself. It, it tells him it says thief. Your life is not yours. You stole it. Repay what you owe. Bull says you are a beast. The Apeth replies, you are the beast and I am the butcher. No matter where you go, I follow. You are mine now. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so Bull asks the Apeth what it wants. It tells him your life for Nygak. It produces a knife from the shadows, telling him to open his flesh, your body for hers. Bull asks, why don't you come for me yourself? The Apeth doesn't respond and withdraws into the shadows. Bull reaches his hand out and sticks it into the fire, and nothing happens. He realizes the Apeth can't hurt him. He mocks the Apeth, telling him uh, to make itself at home, saying, Pictures can't hurt me. The Apeth tells him to sleep, and suddenly Bull is standing in the ocean, and the, uh, the ocean at night in the middle of a storm. He starts screaming, telling it to stop, as Nyagak rises slowly from the water. He tries to cover his eyes, but arms reach out from... I, I love this sequence, because, like, yeah. just phantom arms reach around him, and, like, like mm. force him to look like they take his, his arms away from his eyes. And then he turns his head and it, like another set of arms comes out and turns his head toward Nygak. Like you have to face what has happened. Yep. It's yeah. like, Ooh, it's so creepy. And just a really and, cool and effective, but like super like lo-fi effect. Right. It's just yep. literally just like other people standing behind him, but it was just like, Oh fuck. <laughs> I know it's so creepy. But Nygak slowly approaches Bull, and as he repeats over and over again, pictures can't hurt me, pictures can't hurt me, Nygak slowly opens her mouth, and an octopus begins to crawl out as Bull screams. Cut to Rial, staring at the unmoving, wide-eyed Bull sitting on the couch. He's completely catatonic and has wet himself. Rial seizes her chance to try and fix the door so she can escape. Bull comes in and grabs her, telling her to stay in the house. She stabs him in the leg with a screwdriver and locks him in the kitchen. She then slips out one of the windows and runs. Almost immediately, she realizes she's not in London anymore. She's back in Sudan. She's greeted by her friends, who are all excited to see her, singing and yelling happily as they hug her. She looks what did to... it say on the... Oh, good. Ululating? 
uh, uh, you, you, uh, I can't say it, ululating. So yeah, it's yes, like that yes. like uh, rhythmic kind of yelling. I just think that's a really cool word. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time saying it. <laughs> so do I. Like, sh- like char- yeah. sh- charcuterie. I can't say the real word for it. <laughs> that, that good old charcuterie board. <laughs> hey, hey, Mike, I, I hate to, I hate to be pedantic, but I, I also want to be respectful. Um, so, since we're going into this sequence here, um, they don't ever really make it specific in the movie, but if you, it's in the descriptions. If you like, look it up on Netflix. So, this is actually the the Civil War era of South Sudan. So, this is South after. Sudan, yep. Yeah, after South Sudan got their independence, but then there was a civil war for like mm-hmm. seven years afterward, like within the country, and that's what's going on here. So, yeah, I just wanted to make sure we're like setting up the the yeah so context. The yeah, exactly. Specifically that's... South Sudan. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, no, I I'm glad you mentioned that because I I completely forgot to write that down. Um, but yeah, like when when she's you know she's in with the group of all the women, like she kind of looks to the matriarch of the group and realizes something is wrong. She says, she goes, I know what you are. This is all a dream. Rial asks, where is my daughter? The old woman says, who? Uh, Tears start to stream down Rial's face as the the women begin singing again. Suddenly, everything goes silent, and we hear Bol calling out for her. We see Rial fall out of a cupboard in the room. We hear gunfire in the distance. She looks around, confused, as Bol comes running in and hugs her. Rial looks to be in shock, and he begs her to leave with him. We pan out and see all the women in the room are now dead, having been shot to death. We see that Bol and Rial are hiding on a roof as looters with guns are leaving the town. Like, this part was fucked up. You see them, like, kind of clutching each other on the roof of a small building while, like, a bunch of people are walking around, like, carrying random random stuff they're stealing, holding AK-47s. And then you see the one guy on fire, like, following them. Like, he oh, walks yeah. a few That was... Yeah, we yeah. gasped. Tegan and I both gasped out loud when we saw that. Yeah, that was that was intense. But so we cut to them wandering through the war torn countryside as gunfire and bombs sound off in the distance. The next day, they arrive at a bus surrounded by people clamoring to get on. They tell the the the, or the, the people on the bus are telling the crowd there's no room left. Bull begs them, but they tells them they tell uh, she tells them there is no room. Uh, they do make room for a mother with her child. Bull looks around in desperation and sees Nyagak calling out for her mother. He quickly grabs her and tells the woman, here is a child. You know, we, we are with her. And they make room and allow Rial and Yagak to get on the bus. Oh, this part's fucked up. Mm. Yeah. So oh. we, yeah. <laughs> so the bus starts to drive away. Well, first we Yigak see the, is, I was oh, say first yeah. we see the soldiers coming, like they're coming mm. at them. Yeah. So yeah. We, and then we see, the bus starts to move and she's screaming, mama. Mm-hmm. And Mama is running behind the bus, and it's just she's like desperate to get to her daughter. Mm-hmm. And it's and we all this is one of those scenes where you don't have to see what happens to know what happens. Yeah, yeah. They, they basically oh. t- they took her child. Yeah, and, there's oh. a split, there's and a left split her to second. die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a split second where you see Nyagak's real mother look through the bus window and her eyes are huge and she's so oh, scared. And then yep. the bus pulls off. And that's the moment that, like, I was like, fuck, man, like, I need a break. Like, for real, yep. I need a break. Right in my notes, I, I have, I'm not crying, you're crying. Shut up. Because <laughs> <laughs> holy fuck, dude, I had to, I was at work, I had to pause the movie get up, like, walk into the bathroom, splash my face with water, and be like, compose yourself, damn it, you're at work. Because, right? like, 
holy crap. Like I just talking to like Susie, I'm glad you took the reins. Cause I was getting choked up. I was having a really hard time saying this. Um, because uh, my God, like the thought of having your child stolen from you, like, Oh, like even saying that, like, fuck, especially during this time when everything is already <sighs> totally going to hell. And then to try, you know, to find or to find a way out of town. And like, there's this, this sliver of maybe there's a rescue on this bus. And then for that experience to end with somebody like stealing your child and for completely like selfish and cowardly reasons. Mm, oh my yeah. God. Like, Oh, and then I just immediately hated bowl and real after this. Like I was with them on the journey and like, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to be back on board. But in this moment I was just like, you know, fuck you for making me care about you. Yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Cause like, then you see like real, like, you know, trying to comfort Nyagak. Um, like there, we, we see, you know, like, well, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. First, first we go back to, to Rial in the dream uh, with the room full of women. One of them presses on her belly and the matriarch says, you have no daughter. Then we cut back to Bol and Rial uh, and Nyagak fleeing the country. Rial, oh my Rial, God. She, this she tells, part. What, what part? This part when they're in the back of the truck. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, where she's and like, I, I will protect you. And, oh yeah. my god. So we we cut to the refugees. Uh, like we cut from that scene to the refugees flailing around in the water. Rial and Bull are being rescued as Rial screams for Nyagak, and we see the girl sinking beneath the waves. So it's like they stole this girl to die. Yeah. And it's like like you you stole her from her mother. mm Hmm. Swore to protect her, and then you failed her. Mm-hmm. It, oh, my God. Yeah, I'm getting choked up again. Whew. But, like I say, it's no wonder that this Apeth, like, as I said earlier, like, it rose out of the sea and followed them. And, like, fuck yeah. Like, good for him. Like, good for that Apeth for, you know, trying to bring some justice to mm. these, like, you know, but at the same time, I'm going to sit here, you know, in the comfort of my like big warm house <laughs> with plenty right. of food and drink and, and, and point my finger. And that's kind of like, you know, the journey I had in my own head of like, I hated these people after I, I loved them and I felt bad for them and I was anxious for them and I wanted them to like have this good life. And then I hated them. But then at the same time, I'm like, I don't know what I would have done. Like I, I, right. I, I, I can't sit here and say that I would have done that in that situation, but you never know what kind of desperation, you know, you're going to feel when you're in that moment and your, your entire world is destroyed and you're about to die. And all you want is like that light at the end of the tunnel to get out, to get out. And, you know, I'd like to think that I am noble enough to not do something like this and not like literally to steal someone else's kid, but like Jesus, like I wasn't there. You know, right. and, and, exactly. and that's and that's that's the roller coaster going on in my like heart right now. <laughs> and then the flip no, side, if you were the mother and you right, right. were trying to protect your children and you literally see that someone has has stolen Tegan or Griffin, right. like for their for their oh, own selfish God. reasons to get away. Like I don't have my own kids, but I the thought of I know I talk about Natalie all the time. She is like the apple of my eye. If someone ever did that, like, I can't even imagine. Right. And, and like it, it, like, and knowing, you know, those soldiers were coming. So like the, the mom was going to die and it's like, Jesus Christ. Like, and, and then this, this also hits different because the whole movie bowl is reminding you, I'm one of the good ones. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's like, no, you're not. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. I like, literally, just in our conversation, I'm I'm digging my nails into the palms of my hands. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's fucking intense, man. Like, thank yeah. God we have a comedic movie coming up after this. Yes. Jesus, Jesus Christ, this is intense. Yeah, but, and, so, it's, and like you said, there's so many layers to it. I want to just comment on you know, your what you said about him being one of the good ones. And it totally changes the context of that because the entire movie so far when he's saying, I'm one of the good ones, like what you're hearing or at least what I am hearing as like a, you know, cis white European heritage guy is I'm hearing, oh, I'm one of the good Africans. I'm one of the good refugees. I'm one of the good black people. Like I, you don't need to be racist against me. I'm one of the good ones. But what he was really saying was like, there are good guys and there are bad guys. And the bad guys came into my village with machine guns and the good guys escaped and I'm one of the good guys, but he was fucking lying and Rial saw it in his face. And she told him to, told it to him at that dinner when they were on the floor that, you know, she looked into his eyes and saw that he was a liar. And at, at that time we thought it meant you're being a liar because you're lying to me about seeing the ghosts and the witch, but he mm-hmm. was lying, lying about his whole identity. That's why he wanted to yeah. assimilate so much is because he knows how terrible that decision was. And he knows that he's lying to himself and to everybody about being one of the good ones. And he's just desperate to get away with it. Yep. No, hundred percent. That that's, that's exactly it. That, that, that was my takeaway. Like after this scene was like, the whole time you were saying I'm one of the good ones, you were trying to convince yourself. You were trying yeah. to tell yourself you were one of the good ones because you know what you did. And it's like, Jesus, that, that changes the whole context. And again, I love how layered this film is. Like, it's so good. But we, we cut back to, to the room with the women and Rial asks, is she dead? The matriarch says in the apeth's voice, I can bring her back. She slides a knife toward Rial and tells her, sever his flesh, Give me his body and I will give you what you want. Cut to Rial waking up outside her house in the rain. Bull carries her inside. Rial sees the knife on the kitchen table. Or I'm sorry, in the kitchen. But Bull takes it first and slashes his arm open. Rial looks shocked. and But he tells her, this is what it wants. It will come for me now. Let me save her. He goes on to tell her that he should have tried harder to save her. He, and then he admits that he sees them too. Nyagek and the others from the boat. They're ghosts. He uh, he makes Rial leave the room, and he and we hear the sounds of the apeth approaching. The walls begin to crack. A hole opens in the floor, and this large, pale creature crawls up out of the ground. Uh, he tells Bull, "You are mine now," and slides its fingers into his open wound. That was fucking creepy. Ooh, that effect is fucked up. Because it, it like yeah. you see it trying to like snake into his body, like it's gonna wear him as a suit. I was like, oh fuck, that's creepy. But, you know, he's he's snaking his way in. Bull is screaming. Rial watches in horror as Nyigak comes up behind her and holds her hand. Rial sees herself in the room with the ghost women, and she tells them, I have to say goodbye now. I'm going home. Rial sneaks up behind the apath with the knife and slashes its throat, killing it before it can take Bull over. We cut to some time later. We see more agents along with Doctor Who at the house. They're looking around, taking pictures, but the walls have been fixed. There's, you know, new drywall. Um, and they've been all patched up and they've been as cleaned as best they could. Like they, we see that they've started to paint. So those, some of the walls are painted. Uh, Doctor Who tells them you both seem well as they're still a witch. Bull responds with Rial killed it. <laughs> like that, <laughs> that did make me laugh. Yeah, it was and, a nice uh, light, light moment at near the end. Yeah. Yeah. And then Doctor Who asks, do you still see her? 
and both i love this this what he says here he says your ghosts follow you they never leave they live with you it's when i let them in i could start to face myself i was like oof that's that's that hits yeah uh real then looks at him and says this is our home the agents seem content with their findings granted they're complaining like well they shouldn't have done that to the walls and they shouldn't be barbecuing outside and right. she, Riel makes a comment that she she feels like she wants to paint that room red. Mm-hmm. Which I, feel, for, I forgot about that. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of like layers to that comment. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I want to I want to point out something real quick too, real quick before I forget because I wanted to mention it earlier when we saw Matt Smith or sorry Doctor Who, yep. Doctor Who is <laughs> like. There are a few exceptions, and one of them is like the Cat Lady Karen, which I find very interesting. But mm-hmm. if you notice and you see it in Matt Smith's body language, is so perfect because he has this sort of like almost like embarrassed uh, attitude where none of the native like white people ever look real and bold like square in the eye. They never mm-hmm. do. They never hold eye contact. Matt can barely look up from like staring at his own hands, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, I again, there's this whole atmosphere of that, like Bolin and Rial and possibly these other refugees that like they don't belong. And it's like people like Dr. Who are, it's their job to help them, but their body language says that they don't want to, and they don't want these people yep. there either. And I, I just, yeah, I wanted to point that out because you see it very much in this scene. He's literally in their house making a joke and he still can't look at them. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and again, it, this kind of echoes what we were saying before at the offices where it's like they're supposed to help them, but they clearly are jealous of these people because they they keep saying, like, well, your house is bigger than mine. It's like they, they can't just be happy to help them and help like help their fellow man like they right. have a problem with it. Yeah. They're the type of people that go to the pub after work and are like, look at the good I do. These yeah. people have a house bigger than mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they get drunk and they start complaining about it. Like, these fucking people have a house bigger than mine. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Is, but I mentioned it, too, because and, and you very much see it in the sequence. But, you know, the refugees, Bol and Rial, they're supposed to be like deferential and like thankful and mm-hmm. you know and obsequious but they don't they stare everybody dead in the fucking eye through the whole movie including the apath and I, I i just liked seeing that contrast in this particular scene yeah no i totally agree but so after the agents you know they're content with their finding and they and they leave uh we see nyagak standing in the room across from real and bowl we pan back around to Rial and Bull, and we see them surrounded by the ghosts of the people who died. They clasp hands and smile. Credits, the end. Holy so shit, this movie was so good. Damn, yeah, yeah it was. See, I... again, Josh, I'm so glad you picked this because Mike would not have watched this. <laughs> no, I won't be another five years. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, I wouldn't have watched it either, to be honest with you. That's part of why I, when, I mean, granted, I, I was a couple of drinks in and I'm like scrolling my phone looking for like, you know, uh, horror movies by black directors. And I'm like, oh, what am I going to do with, it, with this Boogeyman's Closet pick? I can't decide. And then I, the real reason that I picked not just this movie in particular, but why I started saying, you know what, fuck my list. Let me look for movies that fit the the theme, of, you know, for Black History Month with the black uh, movie, uh, black filmmakers uh, is because 
I was like, all we ever do is like wallow in like the nostalgia of these old movies. And yep. I was just talking the other day with Mike when we were recording for Raised by Rentals and he were at, talking about a movie, but I hadn't seen like the new one in like in the series or I hadn't seen the new movie that Mike had mentioned. And I'm like, you know, I have so many movies that I haven't seen that have come out in the last couple of years that I want to see them. But all I do is go back and watch bullshit from the 80s and then go on a right. podcast and complain about it. So I'm like, <laughs> you know what? Like, <laughs> I was like, I, I was like, I want to watch a new movie. And that was so it was really kind of selfish at first, but I am so glad that this movie turned out to be as good as it did because now I'm like, we now we get to experience it together, and it was like so much yeah. better this way. No, and I, I'm gonna say right off the bat, um, if you have not seen Antebellum, Josh, you really should watch that before Oof. we do that podcast. Oof. And I, I actually have not. I have seen the other uh, movies, the other picks, but I haven't seen Antebellum. That's the one I haven't seen yet. Just so yeah, I'll have to prepare, watch it. prepare yourself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's it's another uh, gut punch and several times over, um, but there there's not not a whole hell of a lot of trivia for this. Uh, but th- there is one that I that I had to to put down here that I thought was interesting. That uh, while researching the screenplay, Remy Weeks was stuck by how many struck by how many immigrants were sold on coming to the United Kingdom because it's the land of Charles Dickens, Jane Austen, and the royal family. But in reality, for immigrants, it's gray concrete housing estates in deprived areas. <laughs> Something that mm-hmm. he wanted to bring to the film. So that's why we focus on the area in Essex that we focus on. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's like, he was like, no, no, it's it's not this big fanciful land that they're imagining. This is where they end up. And I thought that that was interesting that like how how much he put that into the film. Because it really comes across in the film as we've talked about. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, we, we've mentioned multiple times, this is his first film. So, you know, good on him for coming out swinging like this. Uh, but also, this is this is kind of cool, and this just kind of shows you how much our our film landscape has progressed. Because it premiered in 2020 uh, at the the uh, Sundance Film Festival in January, and ended up ten months ten months later on Netflix. So, like, we we're now in a, an era where, in the same year of a film coming out, it's on streaming, and I and I kind of love that. I, I do. Yeah. I love going to the theater. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I will always love going to the theater. That's that's like that is one of my few like real joys where I really like going to a theater and watching a movie on the big screen. But I also love having the ability to be like, oh, I really want to see that movie. I don't have time. And then a couple months later, I'm like, oh, it's streaming. I can watch it from the comfort of my own home. So in your underpants. Yeah, exactly. In my underoos. (laughs) (laughs) But so does anyone have any final thoughts on this before we wrap this one up? No, I think that we've all said it like. Watch it. Watch this movie. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I I just wanted to say, you know, one more quick thing, um, just to sort of like a final thought, which which is like the title of the movie. I I didn't really pay attention to it until after I had seen it like one and a half times when I had paused it and saw see I saw it on my screen and I'm like, why is the movie called His House? And you know, of course, there's that scene where bowl kind of goes crazy with the hammer like this is my house it's my house you know like he's trying to chase the ghost away and and i guess that's like you know an interpretation of it and or is it the apeth's house you know i mean is that's it, what i took away from that yeah yeah so i just I, I i like the fact that it could have been called something very on the nose like it could have been called apeth or you know um like survivor's guilt would have been the most you know appro- <laughs> apt title that they could have come up with but i really like the fact that the title while it's very simple it hasn't there's enough uh 
there's enough amb- ambiguity there for it to be kind of interesting and you know really kind of make me think about it. So yeah, all in all, I think right literally right down to the title of the movie, I am super excited about this. I'm glad that I picked it. I don't regret you know not picking something stupid like Ghostbusters two, <laughs> <laughs> which could have been the pick. Yeah, exactly. But what's funny is while I was talking to Mike uh, a week or so ago about while well, I was hemming and hawing about movies and trying to get some feedback, and then we ended up recording a Raised by Rentals episode about Ghostbusters. Just so I had a whole <laughs> podcast episode to kind of bitch about these dumb movies instead. So I still got that out of my system. Um, but then I thought of another movie that I am so excited about getting a chance to talk to that I literally went on Patreon and I like upped my tier, my support tier so I could get a second pick because I don't want to, I don't want (laughs) to wait a year. And so this is my plug to everyone listening that, Hey, you can pick a movie too. If you check out the Boogeyman's closet on Patreon. This is true. (laughs) I didn't even notice you did that. That's awesome. We're going to have to talk off the air, (laughs) but um, thank you. Uh, so yeah, let, let's, let's wrap this up. So what we'll do real quick, our, uh, social media, it's Boogeyman's Closet on both Facebook and Instagram. If you're not following us, check that out. Our Twitter is handled by Maurice. And what is that good, sir? At Boogeyman's The. Thank you very much. As Josh mentioned, we do have a Patreon. It's $3 a month for all of our unedited episodes. Um, but if you want the higher tiers where you can pick like a birthday pick or an extra movie, uh, you get art in the mail, all that stuff there are, that is also available. Uh, we are part of the Rad Pantheon Network, uh, so check out radpantheon.com and Rad Pantheon on all the socials for other podcasts like this one. And as Josh mentioned, Raised by Rentals, which is our other podcast that we do. Um, but yeah, check that out for lots of cool artists doing rad stuff. And uh, Josh, I just want to say happy birthday, sir. <laughs> happy birthday right back to you, sir. Thank you very much. And happy and... vagina escaping day to both of you. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but before before we do head out, Josh, I'm going to throw it over to you for anything else you want to plug, since you are the raised or you are the Rad Pantheon Professor X. So uh, anything you want to give a shout out to for Rad Pantheon? Uh, I think you said it uh, in terms of social media and stuff. You can definitely check me out on Instagram at Comics Boost, just spell comics with an X, where I like to feature. Uh, crowdfunding campaigns for independent comic book projects, just things that I look cool or that I I think look cool. Uh, And I'm hoping to ramp that up a little bit more uh, coming, going into 2023. And so hopefully there'll be some, some pretty cool projects. There's a lot of cool people who after the holidays who are now coming out of the woodwork with some amazing looking books. So definitely check out comics boost on Instagram and yeah, go to radpantheon.com or radpantheon on all the socials, as Mike mentioned, because there's so many great projects on there, podcasts, uh, artists musicians tons of cool stuff and uh yeah thanks for having me on the show i appreciate it it is always a pleasure oh absolutely good sir thank thank you for uh, for being a patron there and ha- and doing this and, and so. for being born exactly <laughs> and for escaping the vagina <laughs> yeah it was a tough battle but i made it <laughs> <laughs> But all right, guys, I think we're going to wrap this one up here. Uh, It was a very emotional ride, so I I need a I need a break. But um, so, yeah, our next episode for anyone that wants to watch it before we cover it will actually be my birthday pick. As mentioned at the start of this, it'll be episode 169 Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. So bring some much needed levity after this one. Uh, (laughs) But all right, guys. So as always, this is Mike saying goodbye. Bye. Bye. See ya.
Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, follow us on Instagram at the Boogeyman's Closet, where you can stay up to date with everything we have planned. Thank you.